Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Caleb Frankert, and I'm joined by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Jason Brunel. Caleb, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. All right, let's mix it up. (laughs) Yeah. Hey. Drinking time. Yes, the best time of the (laughs) week. Week. Yeah, one drink a week. That's pretty much what we this got. This is it, folks. This yeah, is the only pretty time much. we do this. We give the we give very much uh, false impressions about how much we drink. <laughs> you take uh, that for yeah. If you're listening, someone's listening. Take yeah. that however you will. Exactly. We may or may not drink more or less than yeah. one drink a week. Yeah, I don't drink very much, but <laughs> all right, buddy. I'm so yeah, this has been one that we've talked about for a long time. Yeah, it's coming so up it's a, a lot right now. It's a long time coming on this one, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. Are you excited about this one? Yeah. I mean, I think it seems to be a, you know, you get market turbulence going and Mm -hmm. people start asking the questions. Yeah. And this is one that I think as a financial advisor, we have to defend more defend definitely than explain. Yeah. Well, you, I think you hit it there. Defend because, you know, instead of, uh, well, let's not ruin it. Yeah, here we're we're jumping in. This yeah. is like minute let's, twenty. Let's stuff. talk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We start getting into controversy well, about minute twenty. <laughs> defend. Yes, something we have to defend. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, let's get into the drink. Today, Jason, we're drinking the Man o' War. Ooh. Yeah. What do Man. you know about this one? Uh, I don't know. Than, other than I, just mixing it up. Looking <laughs> looking at the ingredients, we're I'm. About seventy five percent bought into this. <laughs> you have a, a preconceived notion that you are going to like this drink. I, I do, but I'm I'm concerned about you know the the lemon juice. Yeah. So okay, the man of war. Let's get into the ingredients here. Uh, I don't have a lot of history on this one. Um, there is history. I just didn't look at it. So I thought it was a cool looking drink. I picked this one because of how cool it looked online. Yeah. It's a it's a very cool looking drink online. Yeah. I did. It, it looks like. Pee in a glass. I'm not. I was gonna say it looks like dirty river water. It looks like you need to hydrate a little more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not as pretty. Although there was like kind of romantic lighting in the picture online. So well, and you know, (laughs) my mind instantly went to nature and the Portuguese man of war. Yeah, and which is basically a jellyfish, right? It's it's a really nasty jellyfish. Uh huh. So yeah. So I I don't know. I it's not blue or clear <laughs> no no again i think it looks like river water okay. yeah, it tastes better I get behind that but here's the deal here's what's not in river water two ounces of bourbon yeah one ounce of <laughs> orange caraqueo or Ooh. triple sec we use control yeah if, if you have the option use control half ounce of sweet vermouth that's the red kind <laughs> <laughs> i had to be reminded i think he's i think he's subtly making fun of me no never <laughs> And then a half ounce of lemon juice, which I feel like is taking over the color here. Yeah. Uh, we garnish that with a lemon peel and a Luxardo cherry. Of course. Kind of like uh, a lot of these Manhattan-y kind of drinks. And I know this isn't totally a Manhattan-style drink, but you know, you put all that stuff into a shaker with ice, shake it up, strain it into the glass. Yeah, it just didn't come out as uh, as beautiful as I thought it would. But let's let's cheers and take a sip. Maybe it'll surprise us. All right. Hmm. Citrusy. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm disappointed. It's I, really lemony. Dang it. <laughs> I really dang wanted it. it to be good. You know, let's just let's just face you it. You know what it reminds it reminds me of a sidecar. Yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot of citrus in this. And you know, lemon is it's just 
it's really overpowering. Yeah, so a half an ounce, and that's what I'm tasting. Yeah. Smack right in the face. I'm getting a little bit of the orange Caraceo or the, the Contro. Not much of the bourbon. This no. actually, something that has been on the list of drinks to cover uh, is the bourbon sidecar. We yeah. did a sidecar yeah. way back uh, a long, long time ago. I forget what episode that was. But this is probably in that same... Yeah, because the sidecar had gin, vermouth of some kind, <laughs> yeah, and lemon juice and, and control. So yeah, this is probably real close to a bourbon to a bourbon car. sidecar. Very lemony. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of lemon juice goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, not my favorite. Uh, not for me, dog. So it's yeah, it's sour, and I have a little bit of a chapped lip today. So. Ooh, ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, right. I, I think uh, <laughs> like looking at this, I'm like. I think we just want to drink Manhattans. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, ooh, I'm excited. We need about to get this. back to a Manhattan project or something <laughs> like that. Actually, this would have been a great Manhattan project, active and passive investment. Oh, <laughs> what, was what I the thinking? heck? Anyway, uh, yeah. You, who but, designed this one? <laughs> uh, reading the ingredients two ounces of bourbon. Yep. Control. Yep. yep. Sweet vermouth. Yep. Lemon juice. Eh, just a little bit. Okay. So that's the one. I don't know. It, this turned out a lot different than I thought it would. I'm disappointed. It's all right. But we're drinking bourbon. On a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> At work. Yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, that's a good segue to just jump into the finance topic here. So, Jason, we're talking about active versus passive investing today. Yeah. That Are there lemon, any that, opinions out there on this? That that <laughs> lemon juice is very active in this cocktail. It is. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely not a passive ingredient in this one. <laughs> oh, we, yeah. we did it. See how we did that? Oh, gosh. Oh, we're smart. That wasn't even planned. <laughs> there are tons of opinions about this. Tons. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, um, so let's go back to what we talked about before. As financial advisors, this is where we kind of start to defend. Yes, right? definitely. Explain. Explain yourself. Well, I think there are a few principles in, in investing that I would say you like really stand your ground on. So I think people mistakenly stand their ground on this. And there's periods of time where it really, really works well. And yeah. there's periods of time where active versus, either side. Yeah, yeah either, either side. side. Yeah. And so and there's periods of time where, you know, it, it doesn't. So I think that recent history always seems to, you know, complement one of these strategies well, more sure. or less. And so I know I'm just kind of talking like a politician right now, but you know, principles <laughs> like diversification. Uh-huh. Right. I'll stand my ground on that one. Uh-huh. Like yep. firm-footed, not going to change. But I think passive investing, and that's the that's where it does start to muddy the waters a little bit, kind of like this muddy water-looking drink that we yeah, have. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> is you you can diversify while using yes. both active you, you, or passive strategies. You, you can, right? yeah. And so, but the problem is, I think, is what you start to build too many of those investing principles without any kind of leeway Mm -hmm. i think that's when you get in trouble so there's tons of there's tons of opinions on this and we can we can have cage matches over this one i think and we will later (laughs) (laughs) let's jump into um really i guess for for listeners out there who are new to this maybe have heard it brought up active versus passive you know and it's one of those like yeah Sitting at the bar and I'm drinking my man of war here and yeah. just nodding when I hear the conversation active versus. <laughs> so it, it, if you haven't gotten into this a whole lot, let's talk a little bit about what. Let's start with active. Okay. What is yeah. Jason? What is active investing or what's an active investing strategy versus passive? What does it mean to be active? Yeah. So you're going to you're going to 
change things up. So there's some flexibility in there. You know, you you're probably gonna not stick to a strict investment objective. Okay. Okay. And so a little bit more trading. I think that word trading kind of comes into my mind when I hear active. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of opportunistic, tactical. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a way of saying they're you're just looking for pl- opportunities in the market. So I would I would say active investing. What active investing means to me <laughs> would be the idea of, and I think this is what a lot of folks uh, imagine when they think of a financial advisor. They think of active investing, right? Uh, someone who's making trades on a daily basis, who's looking at charts and fundamentals, sure, and e- I mean even technical analysis, yeah, but picking stocks, right, right. Right. Uh, instead of just stick riding with an index, which would be kind of the passive, passive argument. So yeah. without jumping into what is passive, yeah, going out and actively stock picking. Sure. And like you said, having the flexibility to manipulate the allocation and be opportunistic and things like that. So yeah, and um, I, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, our thought when it comes to active is like trading. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't mean that we're just someone's behind the scenes pulling a bunch of levers. No. No, day trading. I, yeah, I think portfolio. of you know the Great Wizard of Oz. Yeah, you know, kind of <laughs> like what's behind the curtain. Yep. But you know, an active investment strategy can be driven by an algorithm. Mm-hmm. For example, boy, See, let's make people fall right asleep and talk about the algorithm. Oh, no. dude, that's like you're you're like that's that's just I love that. Stuff. I know you do, but I'm such a nerd. Anyway, <laughs> but you know, in other words, it's there could be math behind the mm-hmm. scenes picking specific opportunities in the market. So it, it, it is very simple. It's not as simple as, well, active means that we're trading and picking and passive means we just sit back because neither of them are, are that simple. But really the big differences there, I guess active would be would, would have more of an emphasis on not just stock picking, but like you said, even an algorithm or the objective of, of a fund or something right. like that would be more tailored, I guess. Yeah. And you know, it might be like, I'm thinking of, you know, ETFs or mutual funds that are like seeking companies with great balance sheets. Mm-hmm. And then they go down through like balance sheets, debt ratios that are low, outstanding share. Like you can go through like some things and actually get to a, a pile of companies. And that would be considered active. It's kind of old fashioned fundamental asset selection. And so I think anybody that, that understands mutual funds, which we've talked about here before, Think of the old school, old fashioned mutual funds, right? Yeah. Passive investing didn't come around till what, 1976? Sure. Jack Bogle, yeah. Vanguard. Right. And it's been, I mean, gained momentum ever since. Uh, but yeah, the traditional classic mutual fund was, was this paying a fund manager to go out and actively pick the holdings based on an objective. Uh, yeah. Really? An, objective, an investment which, objective. Right. Could be, could be lots of things. Could be hair on fire growth. Could, could be, be dividend. Income. It could yeah. Be, yeah. So there's, there's lots of uh, reasons there. So, so th- I think this is the classic investing that we all think of. So yeah, let's, I think let's, that's a good way of, of looking at it. Probably what most people think of when they think of portfolio management, right. I would say. So exactly. let's run down the list of like, you know, pros and cons we've sort of highlighted. We've touched on some of these, but pros of active investing, Jason, you hit it, you know, flexibility, the ability to change course yep. within a strategic objective mm-hmm. within, right? Yep. The Might ability be a person to, driving it, but it also could be math. Yeah. Yeah. So the flexibility, I think, is the big one. Yep. Uh, and, and like you said, the ability to be tactical, strategic about your changes in the portfolio and, and to be opportunistic. So 
the upside or the big pro, I think historically would be the ability to maybe outperform indexes, right? right. Instead of buying everything, we're going to go out and pick the, the most solid companies that should win right. and outperform, right? Yep. We can get into commentary about whether it happens or not. Right. But let's flip sides and look at the cons. So you get more active management. Yep. One of the cons, and I think probably the biggest one that's thrown out there is the extra cost. Absolutely. And whether it's built in cost to just having the fund manager, you know, run in the money mm-hmm. or just the trading expense, you know, folks trading in the stock market isn't free. Right. So, you know, the there's costs associated with that potential tax situations right. thing by, you know, buying and selling and experiencing cap gains. So, yeah, I mean, more expensive is is common. You're getting more hands on. So yep. you would expect to pay more. The other con that this would be the second one, I think, that gets thrown around. Maybe it's the first one. <laughs> it's probably the first one. Which is, we just talked about one of the pros being the ability to outperform an index. Mm-hmm. The problem is, it usually doesn't happen. It's hard. Or for most fund managers, they don't beat the indexes, historically it, it, speaking. It's difficult. And right. are there funds out there that do it? Oh, sure. You know, you that's where, you know, I think folks get caught up in picking the investment too often and less in picking what part of the market they should be invested in. Yeah. Okay. So that's that asset allocation versus investment picking argument, which is a whole nother episode waiting to happen. Absolutely. But you know, it it is difficult and it takes a lot of effort to find those managers that are consistently or maybe not even consistently have the propensity to outperform mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Well, and a lot of it depends on the time frame that you're looking at too. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So we talked about what is active investing. What are the pros and cons? Let's do the same for passive. So what is passive investing, Jason? Is it as simple as just buying an index? Not really. I mean, bec- again, you know, you could just buy an index fund and hold it forever and you know, probably get close to the average return of that index over a period, a long period of time. Yeah. And I think the argument is you do that, you because there's not active stock picking going on, yeah. the expenses are much lower. So you should return relatively close to what an index is going to perform long term. Now there's some other factors that go into that too. There are factors. But, and so, you know, again, there's two sides to passive investing, picking an investment and sticking with it, but also the asset allocation is mm-hmm. part of this. So yeah, I I could argue, and we could argue both ways on this, active sure. versus passive. Um, we'll, because, we'll have that time we will, to talk about there. what we yeah. think. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So so some of the pros, I mean, yeah, y- you're looking at those. I mean, it's, it's just like lower fees. You just said, right. you know, the holdings are very, very clear. Yeah, you're buying, a, you're a, buying the index. an S&P 500 index fund. Right. You got a pretty good idea of what you're holding. Right. I mean, your holdings aren't going to change based on your quarterly report like it might in an active strategy. That's right. right. That's right. And that's the next thing, you know, the tax point. I mean, you're, exactly. the, you're the tax dude. Yeah. I mean, uh, passive investing can be very beneficial in a non-qualified account. Yep. Because you're not changing holdings, you're not turning over your your holdings on a regular basis, uh, you're not triggering those capital gains. Um, right. So, you know, again, when we get down to what do we think and what makes the most sense, this is like a lot of our episodes, well, depends on the situation. It does. Um, so there there are a lot of advantages. Lower fees, you know what you, you, you own, again, from a tax advantage strategy. Now, we, we could flip this around and go back up to active investing and say, is that a pro too? Well, it could be it could with be. an active fund manager. Especially they, they in could a year be. where the market sold. Right. You you could look at act, part of the strategy of active investing could be uh, tax loss harvesting and things yep. like that. So 
But I think those are the big ones, lower fees, knowing what you own and the tax advantage. And, and again, I think from a performance standpoint, you should be able to mirror or get close to what an index is averaging. So let's flip over to cons. What's not great about passive investing? You know, again, that flexibility isn't there, but I'm going to, I'm actually going to put just a little different twist on this. Okay. And it's really, it's managing emotion. Like, yes. I think I know where you're going. Yeah. Keep going. Keep yeah. going. So I, I, I have a passive investment strategy. Mm-hmm. I see the chart and then my teeth get knocked out of my face you're when the market the sells pain. off 30%. Yeah. Like this, I mean, this year, the NASDAQ, right. I mean, it's really been damaged. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to get through that. Right. So if you're just holding an index that, like you said, got its teeth kicked in this year and you don't have the fortitude to just, you know, throw the statement in the drawer, not log in and check your performance on a daily basis and not live and die with those numbers. Right. You, you probably have to have a little bit more intestinal fortitude to hang on because on the pro side, you should be able to return what the index averages or darn close to it. Right. But on, on the con side, also, when things are selling off, you're really you don't have a buffer. And, you know, th- th- I think that's a huge case, you know, when we're defending active management. Ever, nobody wants to be down. No. You really don't want to be down as much as the markets are when the markets are down. And you wonder, what am I paying for? I right? have only met a very small group of investors who have the emotional fortitude. Mm-hmm. And I know that when you get started and you, let's say you have $10,000 in the market and a 30% correction comes along, that's three grand. So mm-hmm. your 10 is now 7,000, right? Mm-hmm. Add some zeros to that. Make that a million dollars. Yeah. Okay. And a 30% correction comes along and $300,000 just disappeared from your account. I don't know <laughs> very many people who wouldn't be like, that kind of hurt a little no, bit. We do this for a living right. and we preach it. And it's still, I think it's easier for us to, because we're more worried about other people's money than we are our own, our own most of the time. Yeah. But, you know, we take a look. There's times where I go, you know what? Out of curiosity, let's take a look at my, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> let's not look at that again. Yeah, right? exactly. Take our own advice. <laughs> but, and, and again, you know, we've talked about this before. Sometimes we have to preach to ourselves here with holding on and, and looking for opportunities to buy. So this is one of those cases where passive investing on the downside, you don't have the flexibility to pivot and say, okay, we've sold off. Now, right. how, how can we be opportunistic? Exactly. Well, if we're holding an index, we're just waiting for it to go back up. Yeah. And so like the large cap value space might be outperforming the mid cap mm-hmm. core. And so you, you just, you can't pivot out of if right. you picked an index that's serving part right of your allocation. Yeah, you're right <laughs> in or die. Sometimes it's right and die. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. you might get hit the teeth pretty hard. And you know, we didn't we didn't talk about this earlier either. So I'm gonna point out another thing. Mm-hmm. There are a nine gazillion indexes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not just S P five hundred. Exactly. Which and, a lot of people because of the the first the first index fund, that's what they think of. We'll yeah. just buy the S and P. We'll buy 500. the Dow, we'll buy the S P yeah. we'll buy the Nasdaq. All of those indexes are are covering parts of the market that are actually pretty pretty small, mm-hmm. especially if you buy like a Dow fund. You know, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is a very limited number of stocks. It just may be the wrong spot to be in an allocation at a particular time, and people don't they don't even consider that. So, for example, in the large cap space, right, you might say that the Russell one thousand is a better way to track you know what's going on in the economy as a gauge because that's what we use these indexes for, really, Absolutely. realistically. Yeah. 
that's more inclusive than the S&P 500, especially, you know, more inclusive than the Dow. Right. But you might see a year where the Dow is down 15% and the Russell 1000 is down 20 and you go, well, I'm, I'm losing. Well, not all of these indexes are as their performance is not as well advertised and really understanding what what they are representing. Yeah. That, so, that broad level of knowledge is not there. Yeah. And I kind of go back to this and I say, you know, there's as much of an argument here about active being complicated and passive being simple. And I'm going to, I am going to argue, and I know we're kind of jumping ahead, but I am going to argue that it's not that simple. Nothing is. Right. And so, you know, for folks to just, you know, hang their hat on passive and say that, oh, I'll just put my money in there and index it and it'll be great. Uh, you know, you cannot, you're humans and humans have emotions, at least the good ones. Yeah. It's easy for us to say, we say it all the time, separate emotions from money, but money is one of the most emotional things that we're tied to because what goes along with our money is the work that we had to do to get the money. The things that we had to, if it was losing a parent to right. get an inheritance and things like money is attached to emotion for you to be able to just shut it off. It's the right thing to do if you can do it. If you're a robot, bleed robot. You know? <laughs> but um, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So I guess let's cap this off with, uh, you know, I think we've kind of we've kind of hit it. But, you know, if you're just using a strictly indexing uh, approach or strictly passive investing, forget outperformance. Right. Also, forget uh, buffering any downside. That's right. right. Yeah. Or so no pivoting. So let, let's talk a little bit about practically, um, you know, when one might make sense more than another. I, and I looked at historical returns. Sure. I, I think that when you look at the last 15 or 20 years, you know, go back to the last big financial crisis. And I'm yep. not including COVID because really that was short lived. I mean, I'm not saying we're not dealing with consequences, but I mean, as far as the market's concerned. Sure. Go back to the last big market event. Passive investing has won. Yes. Since the last big market sell off. And when you go back really historically and you look at passive investing over the long haul, since Vanguard has been around, since they basically invented this approach, right? it has won long term. right? And we, this is something we debate here all the time because we're believers in active management. Yep. We're also believers in passive management. We are. But you know, active management in volatile times, in volatile times, mm-hmm. it, you know, that's really where active management can shine because there's opportunities to buffer on the downside. There's opportunities to say, well, we know they're not ringing a bell at the bottom, but we sold off 20%. So let's, let's pivot, right? Let's take advantage of value and opportunities in the market where you can't do that with indexing necessarily. So the other thing I think when we look at historical returns is there are some sectors and, you know, we're not going to get into the details on this or even some indexes where, Quite frankly, active managers never win. Right. You know, the small cap space is really tough. It's hard. It, it, and, uh, you know, you might look at that and say, well, okay, if 99% of fund managers can't beat the index, why not just own the index? But even identifying out, the index is hard in that. Well, true. In that space. <laughs> but then you go to something like where historically lots of fund managers outperform our global large cap stocks. Sure. Why wouldn't you? So, my whole thing here is you can marry the two ideas as mm-hmm. part of your overall investment approach. Right. And so where you have opportunities to save money, where the index always wins. Yeah. Why not? But where yeah. you have opportunity to shield losses on the downside and take advantage of opportunities in the market on the upside, it's okay to pay good managers if they're returning more. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And I think that our approach is kind of always had that kind of tone to it. It's a bit of a hybrid. It is. It is a hybrid approach. And that's why I'm saying, you know, like my comments early, like I'm not going to set my 
you know feet firm in this principle mm-hmm. and say that it's one or the other because I just think that would be a mistake. And I would love to be able to convince all of our clients and every person that listens to this podcast to just you know stay the course, you know pick an index that they can mm-hmm. look at historically and they know that it's going to be okay. But like I said, the magnitude of the swings start to get bigger as you save more, which is a, I mean, again, it goes both ways. It's good, but um, I think it's just hard. I think it's hard to get through that. Well, you don't look at percentages as much. You look at dollars, right? Right, and that is common, super common. Well, right. Even our even our like performance stuff, you log it, and it's like the big number. Like, oh, okay, we're only down ten now. Yeah. Well, ten ten percent of you know. Three million bucks is a lot of money, it hurts. and it's a lot of money for a hundred thousand dollars. Right. I mean, as a percentage of a lot of people's annual income, it, you know, again, that emotion is very difficult yeah. to manage. And and I I wish there was like an um, like because I think this this argument is much about how you can get through those times and less about like the actual managing part. And I I know you would agree with the statement. I would have our clients 100% equities all the time if sure. I if I could get them through, you know, time periods like we've had this year. Yeah. We manage um, more than money though. We manage emotions. Right. And I don't want them, <laughs> you know, throwing mama from the train. Sometimes you know. we are well compensated guidance counselors. Yeah. And that's not to say guidance counselors don't do well cuz I, <laughs> I think they probably do all right, many of them. Yeah. But a lot of times that's what we turn into. Yeah, psychologists whatever. Right. I mean, and it's it's amazing to me that you know when people ask me how how do you sleep at night when you go through periods of time like this and it it always comes back to me to the stats yeah and you know certain areas of the market i'm very very confident in uh long term and passive works for those areas no doubt yep there are areas of the market that i'm far more skeptical of yeah and uh, i feel like you know doing a little bit of scrubbing and you know, we might get less return than an index for a period of time, but we might get greater for a period of time. But uh, it's kind of helping uh, get through some of those swings, I think, is really the key. And I don't think it's shocking to say that in periods of volatility, like we've been in for a while now, yeah, this shouldn't shock anybody to think that good, old-fashioned, fundamental stock picking should perform well, right? Yeah, I mean, that's like, go look and see the quality of the company balance sheet wise. The question is that people who are saying that this is what they're doing, are they actually doing it? Are they actually picking the good? Are, are they finding the diamonds in the rough? Are they? I'm going to, I will argue that all day long because I have not in my time as a financial advisor, former recovering stockbroker <laughs> have never, I've never met that person yeah. ever. So Hundreds and hundreds and probably thousands of people I've met, they're they're not out there. Yeah. So, but it always makes sense to buy good stuff at a discount, right? Absolutely, <laughs> always, always. So I think there you have it. This the was a answer, little deep. It was a little bit tedious, even. But yeah. uh, we we've it's talked a lot about though. this. It is. So you know, we believe in both approaches, and I think you can marry them together. You can use a hybrid of sorts. Again, I think I'll go back to what we're managing here. It's not just money; it's emotions. And if we can't get the clients to the finish line, we haven't done our job. That's so, right. That's right. And, uh, and, and yeah, to, we want to be opportunistic as well. If so. you feel that indigestion, you know, boiling up inside, you probably should seek some good advice. Definitely. So yeah. Well, that's enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Thanks we, for having a drink with us this week, folks. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It was tedious to get through this drink. I'm just going to say. <laughs> yeah, there's a theme. Oh. <laughs> it's time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at podcast at bluejfg.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Caleb and Jason. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC. Blue Jay is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to a consumer in a particular state by Blue Jay and the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written consent on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay unless otherwise otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources, and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.